0: Good morning again, I'm Blake Switzer, lead pastor here at Gateway, and I want to start by asking, where are my rugrats at? Bring me <laughs> there we go. That was our, our group at our home, Guess you were wondering, uh, this had to get a little shout out there. It's been a great weekend. Uh, I want you to, to consider a question that I heard, I was listening to a radio station and the DJ actually asked this question, it said, call in and give us your answer. Here was the question, what one word best describes your season of life right now? Now, if I said what one word best describes your season of life right now, right now, I'd probably be really sleepy, right? And excited. And there are a lot of things that could go into after a great weekend. But I mean, just in general, if you were to say what one word describes best your season of life, because it changes, right? Things things change from time to time. There were several different answers. It was a Christian radio station. So there were the things like blessed and, uh, you know, full of faith and, you know, that kind of stuff, the the real Jesus-type answers, and then... There were some other answers that were a little more raw and, you know, uh, somebody said depressed and uh, busy was one that came a lot. But you want to know the number one answer, the most common answer they got to that question was overwhelmed. What one word best describes your season of life? More people said overwhelmed than anything else. Anybody relate to that? Feeling overwhelmed? We're going to talk about today a, a, a woman in the Bible who absolutely was overwhelmed. And as you might imagine, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Jesus. and We're going to talk about the power of Jesus, all that stuff that you would expect. But at the same time, I want to say a couple of things before we get into that. The first one is this, that when you feel overwhelmed, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a lack of faith. Sometimes even when we are seeking to walk with God and trust God, there are those moments where we feel a bit overwhelmed. The second thing is that God provides everything we need. That's the encouragement is that we turn to Him and we we see what He can do and what He will do for us when we trust in Him. He always gives us what we need, not always what we want. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today too because sometimes there are some questions that we may have when God doesn't answer prayer exactly how we wish He would and we're going to wrestle with that a little bit. I want you to open your Bible with me to Luke chapter 8, if you would. Luke chapter 8, we're going to be in verse 43 in a moment. Before we start reading, let me give you a little bit of context here. In Luke's gospel, um, it, it says earlier in this chapter that Jesus had left Capernaum. He had gone to the area of the Gerasenes, which is opposite of Galilee. He has now come back to Capernaum, which was his home base. He has performed several miracles there. There are people waiting for him when he comes back. And there's one person in particular that uh, is mentioned by name, and that is a guy named Jairus, who was a synagogue ruler at the time. And he has a daughter who's very sick. His daughter's about to die. He comes to get Jesus. He says, please come with me to my home. Please heal my daughter. Jesus is on his way with Jairus to his home. His daughter is about to die. And that's the context of what we read here in Luke 8, starting in verse 43. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I want us to try to put ourselves in the shoes of this woman for a little bit and just imagine what life was like for her. Scripture says that she had uh, this bleeding that would not stop for 12 years. Think about the impact of having that for 12 consecutive years. The the physical impact, the emotional impact, the social, the spiritual. We're going to look at all of those. Starting with the physical impact, to to lose blood like this means that the, the body starts to take water from other tissues beyond the bloodstream, and it wants to keep the blood vessels full. So the blood that's being carried to the body is diluted. Doesn't have as many red blood cells, which means that there's not as much oxygen getting to the rest of the body, and as a result, um, may feel fatigue, muscle weakness, headaches, those kinds of things. Just a general, just feeling cruddy, you know? You're just going to feel cruddy. If you're you're losing blood like that on a regular basis, you're not going to feel your best. She's felt that way for 12 years. And you know what it's like when you just don't have any energy, right? You just feel like you don't have what you need to to, to get up and go. And she's been battling that for so very long, the physical side of that. And then think about the emotional impact of it as well, to to have to mentally deal with that. I don't know about you, but when I get sick, I don't get sick very often, but when I get sick, I'm okay for a day or so, maybe two. After that, I start going nuts. I started going stir-crazy. I can't stand to not feel well after just a couple of days. She's been sick for 12 years. She's had this issue. 12 years. I just can't imagine emotionally what that would do to her. Now, some of you are like, I can, because you've been dealing with things for a very long time. And you know the impact that that can have when you're just not able to find answers and not able to, to get well. But she's dealing with Just not feeling well all the time. I'm sure there's all kinds of hormonal imbalances going. I'm not going to say any more about that. I'm just going to leave it right there. But a a significant impact, right? The emotional impact of what she's going through. And then think about this just socially, and this ties to the emotional impact. Socially, you can't be around other people when you have this issue. She's not going to want to spend time with people and go places and then You know, she's having a problem and horribly embarrassed. And as we'll talk about in a minute, that was unclean in her culture. The Bible doesn't say this specifically, but we can deduce that she was isolated. She was removed from other people. And that has an impact on us emotionally. When we're not able to have connections with other people. We saw that during COVID, right? That was the best example of when we were... Uh, isolated, and however you feel about that, whether you think that was legitimate or not, isn't the point. The point is that being in isolation, we see the impact, and we saw it then. We, I think we're still continuing to see some of that today. Even the most introverted people need relationships. We need to be surrounded. All of us need to be surrounded by people. So the, the social impact on that was significant, it wasn't good for her emotional health, to be isolated, to have to carry all the burdens by herself and have to handle things on her own. And then I want you to think about her spiritual health, the impact that this would have made. Now remember, she is a woman living in a Jewish society at a time where people thought the way to be right with God was to follow the law. Jesus came to help people understand that it's not the law that makes you right with God. He's the one that makes us right. He fulfilled the law on our behalf, but they don't understand that yet. A lot of people still don't. So everyone at that time thought you have to follow the law. Let's read what the law has to say about people like her. Leviticus 15, 25. When a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. I'll spare you the gory details of the verses that come right after that, but essentially what it says is not only is she unclean, anything she touches becomes unclean. Now think about this. For 12 years, she has been unclean. She's not able to go to places of worship. She's not able to be around other people. Just the, the, the thought of, I am unclean in God's eyes. You talk about feeling overwhelmed. This is somebody who certainly understood what it was like to be overwhelmed. And she was desperate to get to Jesus Somehow she knew what Jesus could do. Maybe she had observed a miracle. Maybe she'd been told about it. But she believed that Jesus could help her, and she was desperate to get to Jesus to do whatever it took. And when she did, she discovered a couple things. One, she discovers the power of Jesus, and she discovers the compassion of Jesus. And I want to start by talking about how she discovers the power of Jesus. Verse forty four says that she came up behind him, and she just touched the the edge of his garment. When she does, power goes out from Jesus. She's healed immediately. Now, this is mind blowing. Jesus has so much power that he doesn't even have to be aware of the fact that she's there. She just comes up from behind him, touches, and she's healed right there. I mean, how do you explain that? The only way to explain it is because of who Jesus is, it's because he's God. God in human flesh. God can do that. God has the power to do that. Jesus has the power to do that. Jesus can do things in our lives that nobody else can. That's pretty much the the point of, well, I'd say all the Bible, but even this passage today. Jesus can do things in our lives nobody else can. This woman discovers the power of Jesus, and yet... Jesus stops in the middle of what he is doing. Now, let me remind you, he is on his way to the home of a synagogue ruler whose daughter is about to die. She'll be dead by the time he gets there. He has a very important mission, and yet he stops. So you get this scene, right? There's a crowd of people everywhere. People are all around. He stops, and he says, who touched me? And Peter is confused by that because everybody's denying it. But there are people everywhere. Peter essentially saying, what do you mean who touched you? Master, there are people crowding around you all over. We've all been in environments like that, right, where you're around crowds of people and people just kind of brush into you, and it would be hard to know who touched me. Reminding me of an experience we had when our kids were much younger. We used to sometimes go to the square in downtown Garland. They would have Christmas uh, tree lighting ceremony. We took the kids down there one year, and there are people everywhere. Same thing, you know, you're just wherever you walk, you're kind of bumping into people, And when you have little bitty kids, and the kids were little, I had Brooke. She was my responsibility. I think Sean had Autumn. And so I'm supposed to keep up with Brooke. And there are people everywhere. And I realize all of a sudden, I don't know where Brooke is. Parents, you know this feeling of panic, right? You're you're just, get this picture. Crowded place, people everywhere. You don't know where your kid is. And I just immediately just panicked. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm holding her feet because she's sitting on my shoulders. It's all good. (laughs) That actually happened. Scared me to death for a minute before I realized I'm carrying her on my shoulders. But it's it's an environment like that, right? People are just everywhere, they're crowding in, and yet Jesus knows that someone didn't just brush up against him. Someone intentionally reached out and touches, touches him, and he knows that because power goes out from him. And so he asked, Who touched me? This woman had been tried, she tried everything. It says that she had gone to the doctors. In fact, we talked about the, the impact of what she was going through. One thing I didn't say was the financial impact. It said she spent everything she had on doctors, but she never got better. Now, that's not a knock against doctors. That's not to say that it's a lack of faith to go see a doctor. Sometimes it's an act of wisdom to go see a doctor. But ultimately, God is the healer. God is the one who can do things nobody else can do. So if we're putting all of our faith or all of our trust in any human being, that's not a good idea, not a good plan. She has been trying what she knows to do and is making no progress, getting nowhere. She just continues to get worse until she comes to Jesus. And when she reaches out, she touches Jesus and she's healed immediately and fully. Now, That's not the only time we see this in the Bible. We saw Jesus a couple weeks ago. He he healed a man who was paralyzed. and We see different examples of very dramatic types of of healing in the Scripture. That raises a couple of questions for me that I I want to chase a little bit of a rabbit here, although it's connected to what we're talking about. Um, First question is this. Does God still heal in that same way? Does God miraculously, instantaneously heal people still today? And my answer is absolutely, He does. I'm sure you've had an experience like that where you prayed for somebody and then just miraculously God answered that prayer. He does still do that. He does not do that every single time. And this is where it gets hard. This is where we have to to grapple with a second question, and that is, why does God sometimes and perhaps even most often not heal miraculously the way we see it happening in Scripture? Because it doesn't always happen that way. I'm sure you have wrestled with that question. We certainly have wrestled with that the last several years in our own family. I know our community, even just this week, is wrestling with that question. Why is it that sometimes God does answer that way, but many times he doesn't. And unfortunately, I'm not going to solve that that issue completely today, but I I want to, to wrestle with it because it's important for us. Even questions that we can't fully understand and we might not fully know the answer to, we need to wrestle with those things and ask, okay, what do we know? Here's a couple of things that we do know for sure. One, lack of physical healing does not necessarily mean lack of faith. I want you to hear me on that. That's important. A lack of physical healing doesn't necessarily mean lack of faith. Now, yes, it's true in this passage that Jesus says to her, your faith has made you well. And that's not the only time in the Bible that it says that. So there is unquestionably a connection in Scripture in many cases, not always, by the way, but in many cases there is a connection between a person's faith and the healing that they receive from Christ. However, it does not necessarily mean that a person who is not healed doesn't have faith. We want to make sure not to make that leap. Now, is it possible that a lack of faith could keep us from receiving healing from God? It is. But it's also possible that we can have great faith, and it's not God's plan at this particular time. God doesn't always do things exactly how we want Him to. And a great example of that is Paul in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he's talking about the thorn in his flesh. And he's begging God to take away the thorn in his flesh. And you remember the answer that, he, that God gave him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. He doesn't seem to have removed the thorn from Paul's flesh, but what he does tell him is that through this thorn in your flesh, you're going to experience my power in greater ways because my power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes we get to know God's power and we get to know who God is. There's an intimacy that comes in our relationship with God that we can't find any other way other than going through extreme suffering. There are times where... Things might not make sense to us, but, but God is glorified in ways that He wouldn't be glorified otherwise a, apart from suffering and loss. And God sees things. He, he has a perspective that we don't have. I just want us to be very careful not to assume or certainly don't ever tell somebody that it's their lack of faith. It's causing them not to be healed or not to receive whatever miraculous answer to prayer that they're asking for. It may simply be that God has another plan. If you've prayed and asked God to do something miraculous in your life and you haven't seen the answer you're looking for, I'm sorry for that. My heart goes out to you. I understand that that can be be a difficult thing. I also want to remind you that God is still good that God is loving, God is kind, He is compassionate, He cares about us, and He is doing something even when we don't necessarily understand it. It doesn't necessarily make it less painful, but we can trust Him. So, first thing is, lack of physical healing doesn't necessarily mean lack of faith. The second thing that I want to point out is, That God grants spiritual healing to everyone who asks. When we ask for physical healing, and we should, sometimes the answer is what we are asking for, and it happens as we are asking. Sometimes no. But when we ask for spiritual healing, God will respond, and and we know exactly how God will respond to that every single time. And that is that that He will, will grant that to anyone who asks. Isaiah 53, I think, is a great place to go uh, to talk about this. Uh, we'll, we'll read in a moment Isaiah 53, 5. But this, the end of that verse is one that is often quoted a lot of times in reference to physical healing. It's this phrase, by his wounds we are healed. Maybe some of you have heard that before. You're familiar with that. Maybe you've even heard it used in this context by his wounds we are healed. So we're already made well. We're already healed. So we just need to claim the healing that's already ours. That sometimes is how that is presented. But let me read to you the whole verse. And really, the whole chapter would be important, but we're just going to read the whole verse. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. It is very clearly pointing forward to the death of Jesus on the cross. Pierced. For our iniquities. His hands, his feet were nailed to the cross. He was crushed for us to bear the weight for our sin. He took the wrath of God on our behalf. All of God's wrath was poured out on Jesus on the cross. He was crushed for us. Why? Because He was paying the, the price for our sins. That's why. We can be 100% confident. That spiritual healing is granted to everyone who places their faith in Christ. Jesus has paid the price already. He's done everything that needs to be done. And if we'll come to Him in faith, if we'll come to Him acknowledging that we're sinful, meaning that we fall short of God's standard, sin is anything we say, do, or think that falls short of God's standard. If we just acknowledge that and say, "Look, I know that I'm sinful, I know I don't measure up, but Jesus died in my place. He died to take the penalty for my sins. Then we'll be forgiven. We can experience the power of God in spiritual healing every single time. Now, does that mean we shouldn't pray for physical healing? No, we should. We absolutely should. Don't stop. Continue to pray. Continue to ask God. And continue to trust Him. Regardless of the answer. But we know when we ask for spiritual healing exactly how that's going to turn out. Because... The Bible tells us everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's the first thing that that we see here is that Jesus experiences, I mean, excuse me, the woman experiences the power of Jesus. The second thing we see is that she also discovers the compassion of Jesus. And let's come back to the story here. Jesus is on his way to the home of a synagogue ruler whose daughter is very sick. She's about to die. And the rest of the story, if you hadn't read it, go read it. But Jesus raised her from the dead. It's pretty remarkable. But while he's on his way to that home, the woman touches him. He stops, and he has a conversation with her. Now, why does he do that? It, it's a bit unusual, actually, that Jesus, with crowds of people all around him, when he's on an urgent mission, I mean, he, is, he has got to get to where he's going because this young girl is sick and needs him, why would he stop? I don't know if any of you are like me. You can ask my wife and ask my, my daughters. I mean, when I'm on task, when I'm focused on something, I don't like to be interrupted, right? Like, I, I'm focused. I want to I do this. And I'm thankful that Jesus wasn't that way, right? I mean, he was focused, he was on task, but he still stopped. And he didn't have to. He didn't stop because he needed to heal her. She's already been healed. It says that at the moment she touched the edge of his his clothes that she immediately stopped bleeding. So she's been healed already. Why stop? Because he wanted to express his compassion. He wanted her to know that he saw her, that he knew her. Now This woman at this time didn't want to be seen. Keep in mind that she is making everyone unclean by what she's doing according to the law. She's not supposed to touch anyone or anything. She's in a crowd of people. Now she's touching Jesus and making him unclean, according to the law. So she's just trying to hide. She doesn't want anyone to know it was her. And Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? And I can only imagine the thoughts that are running through her head, right? He's about to yell at me. I'm in trouble. What it, you know, I've done something wrong. Jesus calls her out. He doesn't let her hide and just kind of slide into the, the, the crowd here. But he doesn't call her out to shame her. He doesn't call her out to embarrass her in any way. He calls her out to express his compassion. He wants her to know that there's more to it than than just the physical healing. He wants her to understand the importance of relationship with him. Remember, this woman has been living in isolation for 12 years. Thinking that she is unclean. In God's eyes. She needed to hear Jesus speak to her so she would know she's not unclean. In fact, it's pretty remarkable to think about this. That according to the law, when she reached out, she should have made Jesus unclean. But exactly the opposite happened. Rather than her making him unclean, he made her clean. He healed her physically. But then there is a spiritual component to it as well. It says that in verse 48, when he did speak to her, he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. And then he adds this little phrase, go in peace. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Well meaning, yes, physically well, healed, but I think there's more to it than that. Reminds me of the story with uh, the the paralyzed man when he just the first thing he did in that case was look at him and say, son, your sins are forgiven. He's also addressing the spiritual here. But he says, your faith has made you well. And then he says to her, go in peace. How long do you think it's been since this woman has had any peace in her life? Twelve years of bleeding, twelve years of isolation, twelve years of thinking that she's unclean. 12 years of just feeling awful all the time. How long has it been since she's had peace? And when she comes to Christ, he he tells her to go in peace. You know, the peace of God is one of the greatest gifts that he gives to us. And Yes, something like physical healing, that's incredible, it's amazing. But it's also incredible when we receive God's peace. When we're in turmoil. And I wonder if there's anybody today that if you're being honest, you would have to admit that you're lacking peace in your life. Anybody admit that? Maybe nobody else knows it. Maybe it looks like everything on the outside looks great and everything. You know, people would look at you and say, man, that person is, is just, everything's going for them. Students. People look at you and say, man, you're the one, you're the model. You're, you're the one. I want to be like him. I want to be like her. And maybe what they don't see is the turmoil inside. Nobody else knows. But God does. And I just want to tell you today that when, when you really come into a, a, a relationship with Christ, he brings peace. And that's my prayer for you today. I want you to experience the peace of Christ. Even those that have a relationship with Him. Even those who know Him. Sometimes we lose that peace, don't we? Even those of us who trust Him. Sometimes we can feel overwhelmed with life. And we we get our focus off. It's kind of like Peter getting out of the boat. You know, at first he's looking at Jesus and everything is good. And then all of a sudden he looks at the wind and the waves around him, it says, and he begins to sink. That happens to us. We need to, to redirect our focus back to Christ. Because that's where we find peace in the midst of the storm. For some of us today, even though you know Jesus already, you just need to kind of redirect your focus. You need to come to him to experience the peace that he wants to provide. But some need to come to Christ for the very first time. And that can be, that can feel like a big risk, right? I mean, this woman took an incredible risk. She was desperate. To get to Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody today. That you're just at the point. Like you know I've tried everything. I've I've gone down all these other paths. I've looked for fulfillment. I've tried to fix things in my own life. And just like this woman. For 12 years going to doctors. And nothing ever got better. Like nothing really changes. You've tried everything else. Maybe today you're desperate to come to Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you say. I'm going to give my life to Christ today. Let me remind you what I told you a moment ago. When you ask for spiritual healing, when you confess your sinfulness and say, I need a Savior. I can't do it on my own. I need what Christ has done. He will grant that every single time. So if your need today is to trust in Christ, I invite you to do that. I want to lead us in prayer. And whatever whatever it is, wherever your heart is, Whether that's to cry out to him and say, I need you, Jesus, I need to put my my life in your hands, or I know you already. Whatever that is, I want you to tell him. Let's pray together. I just want to invite you, if you've never come to a point of trusting in Jesus, just tell him in your own heart something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I know that I can't do it on my own. I believe that you died for me and rose again. Right now, I place my trust in you. I give my heart to you. Thank you for saving me. Lord, I know there are some that that's their prayer today. There are others that know you already, but just need to take a step of of trusting. So, Lord, wherever we are, meet us at our point of need, we pray. In your precious name, amen.